right, welcome back to the Nitty Gritty. This week we have the founder and CEO of Pillow Cube, Jay Davis, with us and his partner in crime, Will Beck. Great, great podcast. This one was for the fans of the entrepreneurial stuff. This one is excellent. Jay's got a really good story. He has done so many things in his young life. I don't know how old Jay is. Do you remember? No? But the story of Pillow Cube is fascinating. Everything that kind of led up to it is fascinating. But to take something like a pillow where, I mean, we've all been to Costco. There's 6 million pillows for sale. That had to be kind of a scary industry to get into. But you take really good product mixed with really good marketing, viral content, stuff that you will hear in his history and his story he is very experienced with. And you can make a pillow and fully succeed, blow up fast. I don't know that we would say fast, but a lot of work obviously involved. But he has had his hands in so many different things. There's so much experience, so much wisdom. Um, man, I really like this one. I was a bum that we had to end it when we ended it. But hope you love it. If you do, comment. Let us know how you like it. Subscribe, share. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Welcome, Nitty Gritty. We are here for a new episode with Jay Davis and Will Beck of Pillow Cube. So thank you, fellas, for coming in. Thanks for having us. And I will say the pillows are awesome. I'm super picky. I told Will, he was asking me about pillows. I'm like, I'm like a really, really picky pillow person. Yeah. Like that's the worst thing about traveling for me is there is nothing worse than a hotel pillow. I've never had a hotel pillow. I'm like, oh, this is really nice. They're like, the worst. They suck. Well, when you stay at a Motel 6 everywhere you go. Hey. Whoa, hey. <laughs> whoa, dude. Holiday Express. Yeah, like I'll, I might be in a courtyard every now and then. <laughs> like, come on. If they don't have free breakfast, that's a good thing. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't get my money's worth. <laughs> so, Even the nice ones are. Yeah, it doesn't crap. matter. Because everybody so has. so fluffy and then you just sink in. Uh-huh. Yeah, what's with the feather crap? Like every who every likes a ho- fluffy pillow? Not me. No Stupid one. People. Yeah, like <laughs> at least do like half cotton, half synthetic. Flu- you know the down pillows. Yeah, I don't know what the thing is. Do most people sleep on down pillows? Uh people. I think it's definitely shifting. We actually were on a flight with uh, David Nealman. Mm-hmm. We were pitching him. He's like, I love my who's David down- Nealman? Uh, JetBlue founder. Oh, okay. Just like randomly <laughs> sitting next to us on a Delta flight. Uh, oh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, and one, JetBlue's always delayed. Flying on Delta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he was like, "No, down." We're like, "What are you talking about, man?" That's interesting. You got enough money. You should upgrade. Yeah, like let's uh, get away from the down fluffy crap. That's the thing is, it just I I always wonder. It seems like it's five to one, down down pillows in hotels. Oh, it's always like the only cotton ones are the ones that they have in like the closet. Yeah, like the spare bedding package that they have, like the decorative ones that you don't really know what. Yeah, I use yeah I use those a lot too with the (laughs) towel on top. (laughs) (laughs) So towel. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I don't know what's on those decorative throw pillows. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm excited to actually hear about this a little bit. So, Jay, I want to know a little bit more about you. Like, where'd you grow up? Like, how did yeah. how did this all come to be? So, yeah, so I grew up in uh, kind of half and half, half Chicago, half Colorado. Okay. So, yeah, I still Bulls order, fan. Still ordering Giordano's. Up. Oh, dude, 
freeze so dried, good. sending out. Oh. Yeah. Where in Chicago did you grow up? Uh, just west of Chicago, so Naperville. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I sold alarms for like eight years in Chicago. Oh, no way. Yeah. I did two summers in Chicago. I love yeah. Chicago. Chicago. We were west suburbs, too. Chicago in the summer is like yeah, unbelievable. And then you go in the winter and you're like, this place oh, no. sucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. But like fall, spring, winter, or spring, summer, fall is just. It's the only <clears> big city I like. I don't really like yeah. big cities, it's but such I, an, I love Chicago. It was a very ideal, kind of idyllic childhood of like stranger things without all the monsters. So <laughs> it was pretty great. I, I can't complain. Well, no, it was super reference. fun. Yeah. So started in Chicago and then moved to Colorado? Yep. And then moved to Colorado when I was 10. Uh, lived in Colorado, just kind of normal, normal kid, played basketball, football. Uh, Will was down the street, never, never met somehow. In Colorado? Yeah. yeah. I grew up in Littleton. Yeah. And so oh, wow. we were neighboring high schools. We have common friends. We went to like the same dances. We're like, dude, how did we never I, one time? We played in a basketball game against each other. Oh yeah. Played like, I, I don't know. I, it's crazy that we never made the connection, but then became friends at BYU. So that's so, yeah. wild. So came out to BYU. Uh, studied entrepreneurship and just kind of knew from well, it was like your parents, like mom and dad entrepreneurs. Dad's an entrepreneur, okay. consultant. Okay. Uh, always, most part, probably half of my childhood worked for himself. Okay. Other half would work for bigger companies or bigger consulting firms. And then, yeah. So, but I was never the kid. Like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I was selling potatoes door to door. Like, and that just wasn't me. Yeah. Like, I was never like, kind of that hustle like i'm gonna go sell stuff um jay was busy trying to sell girls yeah i'm like (laughs) hey uh like pitching them to date me not i wasn't selling them on the black market Uh, (laughs) could go a couple ways (laughs) that didn't really click with me when he said selling girls i was like yeah that didn't really yeah Yeah, until you said the black market thing i was like Oh yeah, that could have been taken. Pitching, right. pitching would have been a better word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was. Uh, yeah, but that was just never, never kind of my uh, kind of path. But but I think it was super, super interesting, kind of how people arrive in entrepreneurship. Yeah. But but yeah, just loved. I love talking about business. That was kind of what me and my dad talked about when okay. I was a kid, like either sports or business. Okay, and so it was just kind of always like. You know, this is this company's strategy because he was often consulting with like bigger companies, like Fortune 100 companies, and so I was just always like, "Oh, that's fascinating. Why do they do that? And what you know? Why do they make the products this way?" So I've always loved kind of that business side. Okay. Came to BYU, studied entrepreneurship, loved my time at BYU. It was just so fun, such a fun time of life. Met my wife there, got married, uh, graduated in '08, which is a bad time to graduate, but. Uh, <laughs> Got lucky, found a job at Vivint uh, doing product development, and so interesting. Yeah, really? yeah, kind okay. of, kind of that like perfect timing of it was like right when uh, it was still Apex. Yep. <clears throat> I don't know if that's who you sold for. I, uh, I was. A that's why I switched guy. over. Oh, okay. All the time. I love those the blue, blue bellies. A- yeah, the blue belly science. <laughs> yeah. Science. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just kind of that perfect time of like Apex was switching to hey let's stop selling other people's products let's make our own um i while still at byu i was doing customer service for them and then just like they had this 
product development position open. And so it was really great. Like amazing experience. Todd, I got to see all that growth too. Yeah. It was like, a pretty exciting time. I was there during the Vivint rebrand. Uh, I threw out the idea to do two eyes. I'm, I'm just going to claim that. Okay. Okay. Uh, they originally were going to sell it with an I and an E and I was like, that's a horrible idea. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, like just got to be a part of that kind of whole experience and see kind of like Todd and those other guys there of like their ability to see something coming. Like, Hey, we, uh, I, I was doing a lot of research about like security and stuff and just kind of was able to see a great entrepreneur like okay this is kind of what's happening in the industry and how am i going to react to that and kind of get ahead of everybody so really fun experience was there then i helped uh then i left and helped start a company called the color run which was kind of that 5k with colored powder we were the first ones and uh had a mission companion that invited me to to come and help and one of the first employees and just Super fun experience. That went crazy. That was just like... What did you do for them? So marketing, uh, product development, helping manage races. Like it was everything. It was just wild. I mean, that company, like even people in Utah don't know how fast that whole like... It was kind of like 2011. They like end of 2011, they kind of launched. uh, And then December of 2011, I joined... Um, and it was just like, oh, we got a couple of events open and it went from, oh, we have a couple thousand people signed up for each event to like, we have a hundred, uh, you know, thousand people showing up to our website and we have What was 10, it? I remember 000. like it just got super popular. Like why? Like why did that catch so quickly? I think it was a lot of things. I mean, that was kind of my first experience with like virality and explosive growth, but I think a lot of it was... Uh, social media was ripe for it. People were, you know, those earlier days of Facebook. It was back when every time you posted something on Facebook, every single one of your friends saw it. Yeah. So that was great. People were looking for Facebook uh, or using Facebook as kind of like, here's cool things I'm doing. And so people were sharing like, look at this funny video, you know, like that's not, now we just argue on Facebook about politics. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) But like back then it was like, hey, look, we were looking for social currency of like, I'm in the know, I know cool things. And so even going to those events, I was like, dude, this is like the powder gets in your nose. We called them, (laughs) you'd get the rainbow boogers. Like it's crazy. And even I've been to the Holly Festival. To me, it's just kind of is like, this is nuts, but it's great social currency. Yeah. And so people were posting like, look what I did. Uh, And it was just going crazy. I mean, we really went from like, how do we get more people to sign up <clears throat> to we were opening events and selling out 25,000 tickets that were 50 bucks a piece in like an hour. Jeez. Like we were just, it was so crazy to see that explosive growth. So when you look back at that, what was something that surprised you the most? Like from the marketing side, from the marketing side, I think like, um, one is definitely that like sometimes things just hit and you really didn't mean to do it. You didn't maybe engineer it. But it's also, I think, interesting as an entrepreneur to see that like a lot of those decisions that I think all kind of went towards uh, making something successful are very kind of, you can call it luck or just kind of like, you know, fortuitous that it happened a certain way. Like I look at like the guy who started it originally wanted it to be like a marathon and I think it was like his wife and one of the other guys who was like, no, like it really should be a 5k. Like, let's get people into make running. It more fun. Yeah. But about he a really, yeah. 
No, you don't want me to do the half marathon lecture again? <laughs> a marathon? There's an ongoing discussion about <laughs> the need to rebrand a half marathon. It's a good point. Thank, thank you. Everyone <laughs> agrees with me. I mean, you're Funny basically... A guy who's like, never run in his life is the one that's complaining about that. You're really upset about this. I just uh, think it's funny. Like, half marathon. I'm like, I ate a half of a cheeseburger. Yeah. Like, it's... It just needs its own name. That's all I'm saying. It just needs to It's still hard. It's still respect. But yeah. sorry, I'll shut up. No, it's, we don't have half basketball games or <laughs> Thank you. half hockey I'm games. I'm going to say that. That's better than the cheeseburger. There's <laughs> a good analogy. But yeah, it was just like crazy. Some of those decisions that were like, oh, man, if you'd done it a different way, I don't think it would have had quite the impact. Um, and we see that with Pillow Cube all the time. Like there's stuff that's like, man, how did we kind of get to where – something happened that was really like, man, we were really lucky or, you know, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it was just this crazy experience of, uh, even Facebook, like Facebook changed, I think probably about a year in to that whole experience where every time someone posted, not all of their friends saw, saw it or like early on with color run, we were going really hard after likes, like let's get as many likes as we can. And then a year in, it's like, oh, by the way, you have to pay for all those likes to see your posts. And so yeah. it's like, man, we spent so much time and money focusing on. But like to show you the scale, like Color Run in one year from launch had th- 3 million likes. Like it was just wow. that fast. It was just going crazy. So it was a really fun experience. And kind of while I was doing that, I also started a YouTube channel with a friend and those started, we started doing videos that were going viral. And so I just kind of fell in love with like, man, I love this virality. What were the YouTube videos? Uh, so the channel was Scott DW. It was with Scott Wynn. We did like Fruit Ninja in Real Life, uh, <laughs> Kit and Air, just like crazy stuff that was going viral. Um, and Scott's like an amazing cinematographer. And But I was always like, he was fascinated in kind of like the video world, potentially making movies. That was kind of like the path he wanted to go down. And for me, it was always like, I love the idea of using this for entrepreneurship. Like, this is a tool in my tool belt of, can you use these videos? Like, this is even like, Color Run was like pre any Harmon Brother videos. This is before Dollar Shave Club. Like, people were not using virality at the time to like launch businesses. It wasn't like a common thing. So I just kind of fell in love with that whole process of like, how do you get a bunch of people who've never heard of something to share something, talk about something, grow something and that's kind of been the focus of the last like 12 years 11 years it's just using those tools so like how do you how do you create a household name uh, or a household brand how do you make everyone want to talk about it right yeah yeah interesting well i'm being good at that i was thinking about that today because you've got creatively did i say that right yep like i'm convinced that you could pretty much just start anything right now like even if it's a super saturated thing but if you're good at that, yeah, you'll immediately oh, be successful. That's, that's right. what's even funny about Pillow Cube. Like, well, that, that's what I was going to kind of segue yeah. into is like, yeah, <laughs> pillows. Yeah, <laughs> it was mean, it was about awesome the last pillows. thing we wanted to do. Well, that's a, like yeah. a part of me was wondering like, did you just like throw a dart at the board? Like, let's just pick like a random thing that we all use yeah. every day: soda or bottled water. Well, well, that like, is part you, of the process. It's something you know that I mean? everyone like, uses all the time. Like, right. That's part of the yeah. formula, yeah. Right. And it's like, but how do you, I mean, you think of the big dogs and the whole bedding, yeah. you know, mattress, pillow space, like there's some big boys. Yeah. But then you look at like all the purple and all yeah. these companies, Casper, all these 
you know, mail. I mean, there's some innovation there with like mailing to your house, but that's not what's making them popular. What's making them popular is it's just direct to consumer, but their, their social media and their video stuff is, it's hilarious. Yeah. Right. And then the product is good, obviously, but I, I think you could almost jump into anything now, no matter how, like you could peanut butter and if the peanut butter tastes like Jif, you could be huge <laughs> just by having great yeah. social media and great, yeah. you know, virality, as you call it. No, that was, was, was really interesting with Pillow. So we had creatively kind of after I did some other stuff, did some other event companies, decided I didn't want to do events because they're the worst. There's so much work. <laughs> right. Uh, and... And so, so eventually, start I started creatively. Okay. So like what is creatively? Just a quick ago. little summary yeah. for the listener. So it's like a marketing agency that we focus on this whole process of like, how do you get viral kind of explosive growth? Is right. it all around like a physical product? Uh, no, we've, done, product, we've done software, apps, non-product, non-physical okay. products. We definitely do mostly physical products because I think it just works. Kind of one of our keys is like, we want to demonstrate how it makes a difference in people's lives. So software can be harder. Sure. Um, but we've done like, we did a, a sweater. Uh, if you've seen the sweater investing app, mm-hmm. that's gone really crazy. We launched that. Okay. Um, so yeah, like we do people sweaters in Boulder. We do people in New York, LA, San Francisco, Miami. Um, but like here in Utah, we launched or really early kind of started working with uh, Kizik, Gab, um, we're all wearing our Kizik's. We Dude. just got them today. Love them. <laughs> Will's wearing Kizik's. Yep. yep. Uh, um, homie, Owlet. So we've had like a really good run of being able to pick like, hey, this is ready for explosive growth. And so that was kind of the natural process. We started. Fi- I started it five years ago, and we were just kind of like finding things that were like, I know I can blow this up. So you just really casually named a lot of really awesome brands. Like, that was super <laughs> casual. Like, that was a humble flex. Yeah. <laughs> he like, wasn't being humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, wasn't. are you extremely picky? Because most like creative agencies, marketing agencies, yeah. they will help whoever can pay them. Yeah. Right. And so, and they don't have that type of track record. So either you have like a thousand that you didn't mention and you just kind of cherry picked a couple or yeah. you kind or of just really good no hit it out of the park <laughs> no, so so like, he turns them yeah. into big brands well yeah that's that's part of the question like yeah. how yeah. like what is this no it's a really good question so that that's kind of what happens like we started doing work with people we were really picky there was definitely ones that we picked but like that we picked that didn't work but i would say like most of them have done well yeah and so as we grew we started to kind of have that challenge of like okay there's other agencies that just get to a point where you're like, Hey, we'll take anybody. Uh, that's like one route we could go is like, okay, look what we've already done for these amazing brands who are now growing and blowing up. Now let's just do work for anybody. Yeah. That wasn't appealing to us. The other idea was like, you know, do we try and create some other service or something that can kind of appeal to the people we don't think will blow up and kind of separate it out? But so is the whole service like virality, like we're going to get you to go viral? Is that essentially like you're going to launch the brand that way? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, like how do we go grab attention, get people to know who we are, get like uh, tons of awareness, but but awareness that actually like sticks. Yeah. Like that kind of what, I mean, it blows me away with Pillicube, but like Will and I will go to, we went to LA a week and a half ago and we're like at Lululemon talking to the sh- 
the girl and she's like, what are you guys doing? We're like, well, we own this like side sleeping pillow company. She's like, pillow cube? And I'm like, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's wow. And like awesome. just everywhere. Like people just have seen, I mean, we have hundreds of millions of views on the video, like 450, I think now. And so. 700. 700. Yeah. Okay. Well looked. Wow. <laughs> uh, so there's just. There's just crazy awareness. So that's essentially what we're saying. Like, hey, as you're trying to build this brand, if you fit this model of like something that most people use, so like shoes, uh, you know, like a lot of people have babies. Um, There's just those things. A lot of kids, people have teenagers that need a phone. So we look for those products that like this can be a household name, like it has enough size. Um, but then how do we demonstrate it in a really fun, unique way where you start getting people to be like, oh, I know what that is. And so, so that was what was interesting. We were kind of debating this, like, okay, as an agency, you kind of can't scale this because at some point we're going to hit a max of like how many cool brands there are. Sure. Um, and even now, like creatively is talking to just so many of the like coolest brands out there. Um, and so what we kind of, came to as a decision was okay we can be picky by doing some of our own stuff so let's start one investing in some of these brands so that we become an owner with them uh so we like the first one we did that with was ann color if you've seen the ann color shirts that are water resistant and stain mm-hmm. resistant and so we did that with them with a bunch of others sweater we were one of the uh investors and then the other thing we said was like hey let's start our own like let's start something and so we started talking about tons of ideas i was like oh let's do this let's do this and i just kind of like casual like this was an idea this pillow idea was an idea i had is when i was like 10 years old i had a buddy whose mom was japanese and she told me about asian pillow boxes and i was just like oh that's a crazy idea uh, and even like six or seven years ago, I was like, maybe I should do like a wood box. Cause that's like what she told me about is like a lot of cultures, Tongans, Samoans, um, a lot of Pacific Islanders, but like a lot of people in Asia, South Koreans have like a, like a bag almost that they fill with buckwheat that's in the shape of a cube. So there's a lot of cultures that. And that's what they use their pillow. Yeah. That's their pillow. Really? Yeah. Wow. So this friend, her mom, his, his mom, like. She'd slept on a wooden box wrapped in a towel. Like that was their pillow. Um, Is that where you got that towel trick from? Was yeah. No. (laughs) No. That's a good one. That's crazy. So they sleep on something. It's hard. Yeah. Like Chinese people like do not like soft mattresses, soft pillows. Like they like things that kind of more ergonomic and kind of fit their body. So that was like I just threw this idea out and I was like I don't know I don't know if this idea like but I've been thinking about it forever. Like any sofa that has that like right height of armrest, like we, if you're a bigger dude with broad shoulders, like you've laid on a sofa like that, and you're like, dude, this is way better than pillows. Yeah. You know? For sure. So yeah, it was just this idea, but it was literally, we were like, we worked with mattress companies. We were always getting pitched by mattress companies that were like, we do not want to go in that space. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so crowded. Right. We've done work for some of those brands. Like it's just so hard. And so it was kind of like, well, and so we kept talking about ideas and we didn't have anything else. I was like, let's just do a Kickstarter. Like, let's just see what happens. And so we had some downtime for the agency one week and we're like, let's just kind of do everything this week. And so like the designer made a brand and we just did it really quick and launched this Kickstarter. And it was like, oh, cool. Like it did, I think it did 40 grand on the Kickstarter, 120 grand on the Indiegogo. Like, oh, that's nothing crazy. Like, and then just kind of let it do its thing. Like we'd all work and on it point, a little I bit. at that point, I mean, that's just 
conceptual. There was no product. It was all just this idea. It was like one. So I had, uh, I had taken a couple foam samples that someone had sent us that was like 12 by 12 by three. And I'd taken two of them and laid down and was like, oh, that pillow is amazing. Like I, I'd always thought that foam just wasn't firm enough. And so I'd taken that and I used spray glue and I like sprayed those two pieces of foam together. And then I had a seamstress for like 50 bucks, make us a cover for it. Uh, and then we just started like, I just started like having friends like, Hey, lay down on this. Tell me what you think. And people were like, that looks really stupid. Uh, <laughs> did you make this no, yourself? It, did. Yeah, it, did <laughs> yeah. it looked really dumb. And, and then people would lay on it and be like, Whoa, that's like really comfortable though. Like I am shocked how nice that is. And so I liked that, like that connected for me of like, it looks stupid, but when you try it, it's like unbelievable. Cause you're like, oh, we can make some good content around yep. this. Yep. Like it looks dumb. It looks weird. It's shocking. Uh, and then we made like 20 samples and this was like before the Kickstarter, but we like made 20 samples and gave them to friends and those friends and f- family, like I just called them up. I was like, Hey, I only have 20 samples. I need them back. Uh, <laughs> And they all like lied about like, oh, I don't know where it is. I'm like, oh, well, like, could you look for it? And they're like, well, can I like keep it for one more week? <laughs> and I like was like, oh, we're onto something. Yeah. Like, and that's now become like part of what I do with other products that we're testing and trying. And uh, is I give it to people and then just ask like, hey, could I have that back? And if people are, even new products for Pillowcube, if people are like, yep, here you go. You're like, uh, obviously that wasn't that great. But when people are like, no, can I buy it? Could I keep it? Or they lie about it. Like that's really interesting. Because I think we what you, a cool test. Yeah. What a cool test to I do. I want in. I want in on the testing. I want to be a beta I, tester. Yeah, I want to be a beta tester for all this stuff. We'll, we'll put both <laughs> of you on the group. We have a we have a beta group that we that we use for testing. But that's like something I've I've learned. Like I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, you ask people like, you know, you give them to your friends and family. Like, did you like it? And they're they're like, they eh, what do I say? They don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't know what to really say. But then sometimes, you know, you get people who go way too far in the like, let me analyze your business. And you're like, well, who are you to do that? Um, And so for me, it's really just like, all I want to know is, do you want to keep it? Because I don't want to, I don't care. Because even people were telling me like, dude, that space is so crowded. You don't want to go into it. Um, But I was like, yeah, but the product kind of blows people away. So it was enough that we said, let's just launch the Kickstarter. Let's see what happens. And we really like for that first year of Philocube, creatively, we were super busy. Like we just kind of let us do its thing. We were investing in all these new brands. Uh, and Philocube was just like, I will still remember. I would like call Will up and be like, dude, we're making like a thousand dollars a day. He was pumped. Like, about crazy. Bucks, yeah. yeah. And it was just nuts. And then it was like, dude, now we're making 2,500 a day. Now we're making five grand a day. Now we're making 10 grand a day. And it just kind of kept going up and up and up and it hit a point like probably around five to ten grand a day where i was like okay this is like something yeah uh we're making 10 grand a day on this and you weren't really putting much into it like we were putting luckily like creatively had probably 20 employees at that point so like everyone would work on it a couple hours a week um but it was like we're all creatively Either, did they either have ownership in it or is it just another one of the projects that they were like paid to work on? So everyone who had uh, ownership and creatively did have ownership in Pillowcube. I just okay. kind of transferred that over. But like everyone, like there were rewards and we were using some of that for like, like oh, let's go do a fun thing as a group. Yeah. And, uh, so people were excited about it too because it was like, hey, like now we have two businesses that are working. 
Um, but yeah, everyone was like super pumped about it. They did an amazing job of just like taking ownership and that's cool. Everyone was just working on it, but it was a, such an interesting, and I actually think it's, um, like a whole kind of new model of entrepreneurship. I think typically we have like one or two founders who get into something and they're just like obsessed with that thing and so focused on it. And a lot of times what we see, cause we usually don't from like creatively standpoint, it's why we started investing, but like usually really early is tough for us because we're getting in and it's like, you don't really have money yet. You kind of haven't proven out your product yet. You haven't kind of tweaked it and fine tuned it. Um, but another thing I noticed is like you often have two or three like kind of founders and there's like not enough for them to do. And so they kind of just like are bulls in China shops. Like they're just kind of like <laughs> breaking stuff and you're like, dude, just chill out. Like, it's just got to naturally, like there are things, even with the viral explosion and the viral growth, like there are things that just naturally take time and happen over time. And so that was something that I saw with Pillowcube, like no one was doing that. Like we were busy. And so it was like once a week we were coming together, like, oh, we got to do that. Let's fix that. Let's change this. And then as agency people, we were very accustomed to working on 50 things at once. And so it was kind of like, okay, this week I did two or three things. We made these changes. Here's what happened when we made those changes. And so it was like a very emotionless, like we're not like, oh my gosh, this is my baby. It has to work. It was like, oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's not do that again. So how did you guys like transition into physical products? I mean, because you guys had been in services, right? I mean, everything you had done was kind of service-based. Products is very different. Yeah. So did you have someone as part of the team who was like either oversaw that piece or did everyone just kind of pitch in? I mean, I did a lot of that at Vivint so that I definitely like kind of use some of that experience, but yeah, like a lot of, a lot of it was us learning too. Like there was a lot of things that I think was beneficial of both us knowing it enough that we could kind of get stuff done, but then also like doing things that people were like, Hey, no one does that. Um, like what? Oh, just, I mean, the idea in general, like everyone in the mattress space thought it was stupid. They're just like, that's such a dumb idea. Like, that's not how pillows are made. Like someone from one of the big bedding companies is like, do you not realize like no one makes a pillowcase that fits that? (laughs) And I was like, dude, that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, But they were like, no, now you're like, there's going to be like pillow cube cases and non-pillow cube cases or like cube-shaped pillowcases and non-cube-shaped. And I was like, yeah, but that's great. Like, we'll be the only ones who sell those. And so there were just a lot of things that like industry people saw as dumb. Like, oh, that's not how that works. No one does it that way. Like cutting the most expensive thing. Like, this is the funniest. We always get this comment. Like, it's just a block of foam. That's so, why is it so expensive? The most expensive way to make a pillow is out of a solid block of foam. Like most pillows, when you get shredded memory foam pillows, what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're taking the scraps left over right. from making Anything. furniture, yeah. or, you know, seat cushions, mattresses, and they're just sh- cutting it up in a giant wood chipper, like a legit $10,000 huge wood chipper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how they make shredded memory foam mattresses. So you're just getting all these scraps of stuff left. And so there were a lot of people who were like, oh, it's so, you know, you can sell a memory foam pillow. Like the My Pillow, we've like talked to suppliers, like, that costs like a dollar to make and they're selling it for 60. Um, our stuff is really expensive. Like we have much lower margins, but it's just a killer experience experience for people. So, but there's just a lot of that stuff that we just didn't know. And so we were just like, Oh, let's try this. But as, as time's gone on, we've brought in more experts of like, Hey, how do we add to kind of that team and roster of people so that we can keep that, 
hey, we're willing to do stuff that no one else is willing to do. Uh, but at the same time, like not, you know, there were smart things we did. There were also dumb things of like, oh, you're sourcing that through this factory. That's the wrong group. Or you're, you know, we at one point were using kind of a factory that really was just outsourcing to a bunch of other people. And then they were just having it all shipped to them, assembling it. Kind of like an and agent almost. Yeah. Okay. So there was smart and dumb stuff that we did. Sure. So, so Will, were you involved on the creatively side or did you just come f- as part of Pillow Cube? I'm just here for the Bud Light. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, Jay and I have been friends since college. And so we've always kind of done like some partnerships in business and helped each other with different businesses. I, I had a wealth management business actually. And um, I helped him a little bit with some influencer stuff. I worked with a lot of influencers on the wealth management side and just kind of really understood how that business worked. And then when Pillicube try started to take off, he's like, hey, help me come run some of this influencer piece and help me with some of the kind of growth and social media stuff. And so that's when I hopped over and okay. did a lot of that too. Yeah. Interesting. So what are you, is that your full-time on the marketing side then? or? Um, yeah. I mean, full-time is kind of a funny word because like Jay and I own three or four or five or six businesses together. And then also I still have my financial planning, wealth management practice. Yeah. And uh, so, but yeah, I do a lot of like kind of that influencer piece, getting pillows to, you know, famous people and then trying to talk them into posting about it is one of my like strong suits. Okay. Will's like the king of just building relationships with people that I think, I think like we were even talking about this on the way over that I think a lot of entrepreneurs take too much of like a short term greedy mentality with relationships. And from day one, I've been like, Will, just like make relationships for us that will, we'll be able to leverage and, and use and hopefully give to them as well and create this really like great symbiotic relationship with people that will benefit us as entrepreneurs for 20, 30 years. Like, and that's what Will has been able to do is just meet people that it's like, Hey, this is what we're working on right now. But like we, we want to be friends and, and work on stuff. And so it's been amazing to see who we're, we're having conversations with about like investing and Hey, we can send deals your way. And, and I think that that's important for entrepreneurs. Like it's, easy to get in this mentality of like meeting people and be like, what can I get from you right now? Uh, and one of the best things I've learned from Will is like, we just give and give and give. And, uh, and to the point where people start being like, Hey, could I like, please do some for you? Like one of the most famous artists in the world, his DJ the other day said like, we were going to send him something, a, a new mattress. And he was like, yeah, but can I get you tickets to our like tour, please? Like you guys just keep giving me stuff. And so I think that that's something I've learned from Will is like, just give. And the people who just always take, like you kind of learn like, okay, that's the person who just always takes. But like most people, it's amazing to me how they just want to pay that back. And then we just keep giving and everyone, it just becomes everyone amazing. Everyone is helped by, from someone, right? Yeah. At some point. And so paying it forward. Yeah. So. I yeah. tried talking two people into doing like big family parties last week so I could like do something back. It's that exact same thing. Yeah. It's just like, um, I think I've taken the last 10 things, you know, or 10 appointments or whatever. Like there's this doctor buddy of mine that I'll text or whatever. And, and it's funny, like, I think you're totally right. I think most people are good like that. Yeah. Right. Like they want to give. Form, they want to yeah. pay it back. There's definitely some that don't though. Yeah. So. And you learn that by giving, and then you kind of realize, like, oh, that person is just someone who isn't right. that way. And who I are my people? So you know, who are the people I want to be around with yeah. that are, like, quality, good, right. caring, generous people? Like, 
you learn and then those are the people you keep giving and taking care of and right and you can tell pretty quick usually but yeah that's cool that's interesting i think it's i love getting to the point me and will are this way and we joke about this like i love hitting a point with a lot of people where you've just like stopped keeping track yes it's like literally if that person called me and was like hey i'm 10 hours away and my car broke down i need you to come get me you're like yeah i'll be there in 10 hours you know it's like who do you have like that and so and i think that's hard when you're starting out because you're if you didn't grow up in the entrepreneurial world from the sense of like knowing vcs like i didn't know any vcs in college i didn't know any investors and that was really hard part of trying to be an entrepreneur uh is you just don't have access to those people like you can do pitch competitions but um but i think that where my mentality shifted was just looking at at people more like hey just get to know them and then that stuff just naturally happens i like when friends of ours are like so creatively like be willing to do a campaign for me because you never say anything <laughs> right like, i just don't want to pitch you yeah you want it you know it's you have there. to ask yeah you have to ask so anyways and i think fun. that's a good lesson for everything right like yeah you've got to ask for help you got to ask for you know it's like squeaky wheel gets the grease yeah yeah and so it's not that people aren't willing this is marriage advice too folks <laughs> write this down okay especially for what are the, you asking for especially for the wife to the husband we can't read minds like if you want us to do the dishes I can't read your mind, Just but you can ask me, yeah, and I'll say yes. <laughs> but generally, it's like you have to figure it out on your own to get the points. Yeah. What, are, what are you asking your wife for? Oh, you know, actually, I'd, I'm not asking for anything. I have no problem asking. Uh huh. It's generally the other way around. They kind of want you to pick up on signals. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not very good at that. And so, <laughs> anyway, no, I, it works for it works for building companies as well. Yeah. No, it's true. Even today, I had someone come in and say that. That's why I say it's a good life lesson. <laughs> so true. I had, a, I had someone come in, one of our, he has equity, and it was just like, hey, I want to be a part of this other thing. Like, oh, cool. I was like, oh, like, w- did I do something wrong? To Like, no, you just never asked. <laughs> so, and and, it's great and I think it is. It's like, it's totally fine to just at some point just say, hey, do you want to do this? And so, but it's really like, it really does blow me away. And I think that's what also as a young entrepreneur, you kind of forget is that this is like a long process. Like every time I talk to students, I'm like, dude, I want to be an entrepreneur for 50 years. Like that's my goal is that in 50 years from the time I graduated college, I'll still be investing, being an entrepreneur, starting things. So when you think of that as your timeline, instead of like, I feel like every college kid is like, I need to have like a massive exit in the next four years. It's like, dude, that's just not realistic. Like the Zuckerbergs, the, you know, the Snapchat guy, um, that is so the exception, not right. even like the exception. It's like, well, and the truth the is it's like even, the, odds. Exits, even yeah. the people that get the exits, most of them are more unhappy afterwards. Yeah because now they have this massive void in their life yeah. and then everything spirals. Like it's very common. I mean, look at, I mean, you've seen this in the money world and a lot of people that have sudden inflows. I mean, all of a sudden they don't know what to do with themselves anymore. So you have to love the process. You have to love the idea of what you're doing. Right. And not wait for this one, not work to this one moment. Cause once that moment happens, it's just going to let you down. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's, it's about the down. moment, you'll probably never succeed anyway. Yeah. Like you've got to be passionate about whatever it is that but creates like how that moment. Like, oh, once I get this, then I'm going to be happy. Uh, yeah, or once this happens, 
then everything then then I'm I'm successful once I've had an exit or I'm successful yeah. once I've raised money and then like once they do that it's like oh that's just like a thing like yeah. there's really not significance around well, that and what you want is fluid right mm-hmm. like every few years we grow yeah. up we experience different things and what you want changes yeah and so to think like that right out of college it's like it's probably going to change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, you're going to, I didn't find barbecue until I was what, 34? Really? I never even cooked a thing. So it's just like, you just kind of never know. And at one point you were probably like, man, the idea of having my own restaurant would be insane. Yes. Crazy. That's funny. Cause that's part of my story. It was when the guy that taught me barbecue called and it's like, Hey, do you still want to open a restaurant someday? It was like, well, yeah, I think that'd be cool. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like yeah. it, it was pipe dream. Right. Yeah at that point. And so, but after going down and cooking with them, it became more realistic. But even then I came back from Utah and if it wasn't my cousin calling me and saying like, here's money, let's open a restaurant. I don't know that I ever would have. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like what you want, you, I like what you said about being an entrepreneur for 50 years. Cause it's just like, you know, you want to build things, Yeah. but it's just like pillow cube. Even when you started pillow cube, you didn't really start pillow cube. Yeah. It just kind of took a life of its own, you know? I was literally talking to Jess on Saturday at the game, but we were talking about that, like that there's a point in your, she was like the, the, one of the first months for mixers was just like, oh my gosh, like we're making money. Right. And that was crazy to her. And same thing with Pillcube. Like there's a time where you're like, I can't believe people are buying something I created and that will shift. And so if you don't love that process, because all of a sudden it's going to be like, we were also talking about how early on the Shopify ding was like better than Instagram or any <laughs> social media. It was like, oh my gosh, we got another sale. Dopamine, dopamine. Yeah. Dopamine. And then over time that, like I turned off the chime because it's it started to annoying. become like, oh, I don't want it. And something that like, like brought me money. excitement. <laughs> blah. <laughs> More money. No. <laughs> um, but, but like it does shift and you have to be really in love with the craft and the process of doing it because that thing that like what i would say is like that early hit of like oh we made a sale uh can become just like an empty like all you're pursuing is this like empty kind of reward from like approval from others um and so i think that's what's so interesting about entrepreneurship is like if you really want to make money there's so many better ways to make money (laughs) for sure (laughs) so true well and it still requires as much as we've kind of talked about Pillow Cube kind of having a life of its own to start. Yeah, yeah. It still required passion. Yeah. Like, it still required you believing, like, you had this idea. I mean, it's kind of cool. You had yeah. the idea years and years before. You actually put some thought into it, and you liked the product. Like, that's still a huge part of, at least I would say, in the consumer good totally. world, right? Like, yeah. you can have great videos. You can have great content. You can have a great network. But it still has to hit. Yeah. Like people so still need yeah. to like it. Yeah. Right? I think people typically, and, and I think that's, again, something you learn just from experience. But, like, you get past that point where you're, where you're not looking for a silver bullet of, like, oh, just great marketing can do it. It's like, no. No. It is multiple things. It has to be uh, more than just. And often, like just a killer product is also like you have to do more than just right uh the one thing and so i think that's what's hard uh about entrepreneurship is there is no like secret hack 
there's no like silver bullet that is just like, oh no, and then you become rich yeah. and famous and you get all this praise. It's like, no, nah. and, and that sh- shouldn't be the goal. Like it really is so fun. Like the, the thing that still blows me away is when we hear people who like will talk to, uh, we launched a new product and Will was just calling up people who bought the product and like, hey, like why'd you buy? Like what, what was the motivation? And just the stories of like people who are like, oh, we had, neck pain for 20 years and I wasn't able to sleep and you know then all of a sudden I buy the pillow cube and like my life changed like you literally changed the quality of my life to me that still is like the best the best feeling like like, are you like full-time pillow cube now or are you still running creatively like how do you how do you balance that yeah I don't know same as my story I think (laughs) yeah right like he's just running like six things and got a big team and everyone's chipping in and doing their part and yeah I think I think I've embraced the I don't know if you've read Rocket Fuel, mm-hmm. but like 100% like I'm a visionary. That is who I am. That's where I'm happiest is coming up with vision for things. And I really like delegating to people. Yeah. Like I always like jokingly tell people like, here's like the worst micromanager and I'm the flip side of that. But there are negatives to that too. Yeah. Like there's negatives to being micromanaged, but there's also some pros. Like you get told exactly what's expected of you. Yeah. Here's what I want from you. Um, and maybe I'm not the exact flip of that. But no, like, you are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm very like, I don't know, try it, figure it out, do it. And so people who love autonomy and who love like, I'm not going to be given hardly any direction at all, really thrive. And people who are, who are wanting more like, hey, what should I do? It's like, they almost always hate, the, hate working with us. Yeah. Just because it's like, dude, we're just not that group. We're just a group of, guys and girls who kind of like do our own thing and and we collaborate and we like we love working together um but there's not a lot of hand holding at all yeah <laughs> and so but that's cool because so. you're putting faith in your people too yeah which i mean you're obviously probably hiring smart people yeah there's and i mean that's got to make them feel like i mean i think my default mode here is that way just but i don't know that it's so much that as much as just i like my freedom to kind of come yeah. and go as i please and yeah. it's really nice to be able to delegate that stuff out but yeah it's funny the more i hear you talk the more i don't think of this as a personality relation yeah but just like bronco mendenhall comes to mind like i think he loves coaching teams that need to start over yeah and like rebuild like yeah it almost sounds like that's your happy place is creating building yep. as soon as it gets to humming next thing yeah no, it's, it is a hundred percent. Like I love that early process. And I think that's another part of being an entrepreneur or being a creator is you have to really embrace who you are. Yeah. Uh, like anytime you're kind of, uh, especially as an entrepreneur, it's so easy to look at other people and be like, why, why am I not like that? Person? Man, I think that's a really important thing that you just said. I struggle with that a lot yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And, and, oh, I think every single one of us looks at, like, I look at every single person on my team. I'm like, dude, I wish I was good at that. Like, there's things Will's good at. Uh, Josh on our team is, like, this amazing designer. Like, just unbelievable. And I'm always like, dude, I wish I was good at design like he is. And he can just sit and work in a room by himself for nine hours. And I, like, can't sit still for 20 minutes. I'm like, 20 minutes of email? I'm like, okay. I need to hang out with the person. <laughs> and so, like, I look at that and I admire that, but I'm like, but that's also not me. Right. And uh, I had an early boss who was always like, dude, you'd be so amazing if you could just be detail-oriented. 
Like if you could combine that with who you are, you'd actually be like <laughs> world class. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to that advice. Yeah. That instead I embrace fully who I am and I hired people who are detail oriented or surrounded myself with detail oriented people. And we together as a group were like great at that. And that's been a really fun part of both Creatively and Pillow Cube and all, all the other businesses is like, you can have someone or you can have an organization that is good at things that I'm really bad at. Right. Uh, and I think that that's, that's also what's hard about getting started because you're wearing all the hats and you're often wearing the hats you're bad at. Yeah. Um, and so. But it also <laughs> so teaches you a lot about you can do anything if you yeah. have to. Yeah. But I think that the people you hire to take over those spots respect you ultimately more because yeah. they know that you could jump in and do it if you have to. Yeah. That's actually one of the things I love about David Nealman, who we were talking about earlier, is the founder of JetBlue. Like he would fly on flights and like do the drink service and right. do the be kind of a flight attendant and walk around and talk to guests. Like I think you can never disconnect from yeah, like stay in touch. Hey, I know how to do you know, I know how to pack pillows, I know how to ship pillows. Like being able to learn those things I also think gives you a lot of as a leader gives you a lot of respect for the people who are like, man, we, we're asking people to come here and for nine hours in a row pack pillows. Yeah. And how do we make that better? How do we make that fun? How do we make that kind of part of our, our culture? Um, and those are all things that like we constantly want to improve. But it also but yeah. keeps your staff on their toes. Yeah. Like I'm not irreplaceable. <laughs> if <laughs> yeah. he has to, he, he can, can fire my ass <laughs> and jump right in. And Jay, and Jay is not going to pack pillows for more than 20 minutes. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. The pillow packers are safe. <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes in, I'm like, oh, okay. I need so, to have intellectual. How, is, how has Pillow Cube evolved, or is it going to continue to evolve, or is it kind of going to run its course and you'll step into something else? No, I think uh, we're super excited. We just finalized a partnership and investment with uh, Tamarack and Maloof. Um, so, like, Pillow Cube is super exciting. There's so many things we're still like launching and figuring out and testing. And, and that's something like, I think almost that constant reinvention of like, how do we do something new and different and kind of break those molds is so exciting. And so um, starting new things is really like, just, I just love that process. And so I'm always, and creatively has been a great vehicle for that of like, oh, let's start another one. Let's try another thing. Yeah. Um, last year we bought a company called Stair Slide. Uh, it's like that slide for your stairs that you probably have seen on Instagram and your kids can you know, go down. We were the original investor in that and helped kind of start it. So like, that's just a natural thing that I just always love doing. Yeah. I just love companies. I love, I think, I think I always tell people like find something you'd be willing to do for free. Uh, and then that's where you'll make the most money because yeah. I would talk about entrepreneurship and do, start companies and work on companies. And I have like for, all the time before these things that worked, I was spending my nights and weekends with friends like, hey, let's start a company and let's try this. Right. And and it wouldn't work for whatever reason. We learned from that. Um, but you have to be willing to do what you love for free. Um, and I think that then then all of a sudden work becomes really fun. You're like this is, this is what I would do on the weekend for nothing. So a lot of what I do is just like DM supermodels now. It sounds great. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we'll would also do that for free. <laughs> And say, do you, are you a side sleeper? Yeah. <laughs> Got a pillow for you. <laughs> Weird question. Okay. We have the sleep lab at our company. Um, <laughs> no, well, I think that's just a better way of describing the overused word passion, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 
I mean, that's what I was doing with barbecue. So I, yeah. I was cooking on the weekend with nobody to even feed. Yeah. Just, I just loved the process of cooking. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the word passion can be overused sometimes, but really ultimately that's what it is. Would you do it for free? And if yeah. you would, you're probably working harder at it and doing it better than anybody else that's doing it. Right. Yeah. Cause most people need something for doing something. And so it's that, what's that saying? Like never work a day of your life or whatever that is. Do yeah. something you love and you'll never work again. I mean, that's, there's some truth to that. Yeah. Kind of half true, you know, because yeah. every time you're doing something you love, there's that point where you're like, ah, oh, this is hard and this well, sucks yeah. and you have if to you like, want, fight through it, whether it's like sure. sports or whatever. So it's like, yeah, it's great, but you still have to find that. Well, and there's certain things that it's like you with packing boxes, right? Like there's certain things it's like, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing it. Yeah. You know, but if, if you love it and you're passionate about it, it's, it's easier to get through those yeah. speed, yeah. you know, over those speed bumps. And so it's even funny, like Will and I will go hang out with people. Like we were with uh, an NBA player recently who's very successful, and he just described it as like, eh, "It's a job." Like I'm not, I'm, I've passed that point where I like love it. Yeah, uh, it's now hit that full job status. And then we've talked to other people who are professional athletes who are like even farther in their careers. And like, no, I love it. And I don't think either one is like good or bad. I just think it's it's like a difference of there are people who you can get into a career and the one who said like, hey, it's now kind of a career, there are things he's doing outside of sports that he's really excited about. And so he's kind of now approaching that point of like, okay, I've kind of reached that point where now this is a job. I'm kind of starting to think through what's next. And he's looking at the things he's like, what am I willing to work on on the nights and weekends? Even as someone who makes 10 plus million dollars a year, or more like he's willing to sit down and be like, Hey, what do I want to do with yeah, my You still life? have to be fulfilled. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that passion and him loving it, I'm sure he loved it. And that's what got him there. Right. Yeah. But yeah, once you're there, I mean, that I could say that about this place too. It's definitely not, it's not as fun as what I did in the driveway. Right. Yeah. Cause it's the same thing every day. Yeah. But the part of it that I will never stop loving is watching people eat the food and love it. Yeah. Right? That's great. But it is more of a job now where yeah. it's, and it's, and it's to the point where, yeah, I, I either am like what you said earlier about like being happy with who you are. Like I get asked probably 10 times a day, when are you going to expand? When are you going to expand? I'm like, I'm happy where I'm at right yeah. now. You know what I mean? But I still, but then I'll go home and be like, am I lazy? Like, am I lazy if I don't expand? Like, but lately it's kind of shifted to, I want to find that next yeah thing that I love doing. And it might still be in this realm. It might be expanding, but yeah. I'm just trying to think of what that next exciting thing is. And, and like you said, even if you're a multimillionaire, you still need that fulfillment, yeah. right? Yeah. You still need something, the purpose, like you talked about earlier, Andrew, with, you know, people getting a big exit and it's just like, well, now I'm depressed. I have, I have no, what's my purpose? No direction. Right. Yeah. And that, I think that's the hardest thing is like fully embracing that like, uh, Hey, that might be some people's pass, paths is I'm going to start a hundred of these and that's what I want to do. And other people's like, no, nah, that's not what I want to do. And it's so important to just stick to that. Like, this is who I am. Right. That's the fear um, that you talk about. You got to know yourself. Yeah. You and, know. And, and in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Like it is always shifting. Give, give yourself right? permission yeah. to change and evolve. Totally right. What you want, what you need can change and evolve. 
So yeah, and that's not, super important. And not just do the exact, I think that's like, even with strategy, we always talk about this, this is like one of my favorite quotes is there's like a Hugh Nibley quote about don't be a mirror of anyone else, be yourself. Uh, if you're a mirror of anyone else, you'll just be a reflection of the true thing. Uh, essentially is what he kind of says. And, and as we talk about that with strategy, like a lot of times it's very tempting, like, Hey, here's this company that's super successful. Let's just kind of mimic them. Yeah. Um, but then you're a reflection and you're not the, you're not doing it because that's the direction you should be going. And so I think it's one of the hardest things and young people, especially are always like, what's my passion. And, uh, what's really hard is like, be yourself. And often passion comes as you get good at stuff. Uh, like I'm really passionate about being an entrepreneur, uh, and I love it and I've always loved it, but as I've gotten better and just honed that craft a little bit more and gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, like it does become more fun, uh, succeeding and having it's way more fun to be stuff. successful. Yeah. Like just, just having people who like want to buy your product first. No one wants to buy your product. Uh huh. I, I wouldn't trade it. <laughs> so, yep. like, if, Sell you, out. if no Just one kidding. came to Bam, <laughs> if no one came to Bam Bams, you'd be like, "Ah, eh, this isn't fun," but it's so totally. popular and everyone loves it, and that and that is a joy. Like, it's it's so fun as an entrepreneur to see people like, oh, they're they're finding happiness and finding fulfillment in something that I created, right. um, and I think a lot of it goes back to that. We're like naturally as humans creators, and we want to create. Um, and so that's, that's, I think a really important part of that, but it, it's hard. Cause it's, uh, when you're, when you see other people, it's so easy to be like, oh my gosh. Comparing yourself is yep. very easy. It's natural. Yeah. Right? You can look at crumble. That's opening a hundred stores a year and be like, why are not, why aren't I doing that? It's Seriously. Like, yeah. But that's their thing. That's who they are. Yeah. And they're killing it. They're doing an amazing job. Like I'm yeah. blown away by that. How that fast that's going. nuts. Yeah. We need to get them in here too be fun to talk to them but yeah i mean it's, and it's simple yeah a pillow is simple yeah a cookie is simple yeah like if you do you can take a simple thing and if you do it really well doesn't matter how much that has existed before yeah right? yeah that's what always blows me with pillow cube is betting is that space that even vcs have been like why did you do betting <laughs> like yeah. that was such a crowded and it's like yeah but we found like a spot and then we kept pushing and pushing and now we're innovating even more. We're working on products that are going to take us more into the tech space. And it's like really fun and exciting to just see that evolving take place. But I think one of you said it, maybe Andrew, you were saying it like early on, that was not, it was not this, like it, it takes those years of work to like right. that, that vision develops over mm -hmm. time. And so, well, uh, you don't really know where it goes until until you do yeah well you know? i mean the yeah. common story susan she started <laughs> yeah, she yeah. could go to target right and buy something without feeling bad like that yeah. that was the vision now she yeah. wants to buy a sports team <laughs> you, know? you know it's a little bit bigger than target <laughs> those, those hockey teams <laughs> that's the thing I've, that's what i tried to talk her into the other like let's buy this team we could make this <laughs> so cool let's put together it now like oh my gosh yeah let's go oh, let, let me know because I think it, you definitely nailed it. Like anytime I see something that I'm like, this is an underutilized thing. Oh man. Like going to that game the other night was like, why are there not more people here? I've been dealing with that for nine years. Like yeah. just, well, there used to be, that team used to be in the league higher. Yeah. Like back in the nineties, that place was sold out yeah. like every night, but that was just Crazy. one step higher. But yeah, that guy, he cares about his concessions and his events and he owns some minor league baseball teams, but it's like, how much fun was that? Like, how fun was that, that was game? So fun. 
And so, and it is, it's kind of exactly what you guys specialize in. Just start an event planning business. You love that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's just marketing. It's marketing a product. And that's what they're not. Yeah. It's entertainment, but it is a product ultimately. And they're not marketing it. Right. Well, you look at the jazz, like, it's crazy how hard it is to get jazz tickets now. I like just season tickets. It's go. like impossible. Yeah. Uh, and so I would like, when we were at that game, I was like, okay, here's a hockey team in a city where like jazz tickets are sold out every single game. And they're out of the playoffs. Uh, and they're out of the playoffs right. already, but low blow. Well, no, that's yeah. just what happens every year. Low yeah. blow. First round. <laughs> out. out. So no, let's listen. I'm a BYU fan. I can't be a jazz fan Lakers? right now. I don't like the Lakers either. I'm okay. kind of over it. I, I like the Jazz. I would say I like the Jazz more than any other NBA team. Now like just I stop grew talking. up a Lakers fan. I just stop talking. But I can't like BYU and the Jazz at the same time. I don't. I think I would have yeah. a heart attack. So break up with BYU and come I back don't. to the Jazz. That's <sighs> hard. Who do you like, man? You're not a BYU guy? He's a Jazz freak. This guy loves the Jazz. We joked last time, you can only love one of the two because there's only so much heartbreak you can handle. <laughs> well, I was yeah, going to say, can you, can you take a picture of yourself right when you find out that Donovan Mitchell gets traded this offseason? I'll be fine I, with he's it. He's going to be, be okay? gone. Yeah. Yeah. They have to do something. Yeah. I've been saying for years they need taller guards. You don't even know what that means. (laughs) 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 So I'm going to use that. Hockey is, I think, the best live sport to watch. It's not even close. Once you go to a live game and you're close, like I remember in high school, I went to a DU game. Oh, when, when DU was like, I think either first or second. They won the national championship this year. Yeah. And yeah. they were just phenomenal. And I like went to a game. I was like, why do I not love hockey? Yeah. And then me and all my friends who like played sports in, in high school, we all got into like street hockey. Yeah. Uh, and it was just so fun. But yeah, I don't, I went to that game. I was like, how is this place not at least half full? Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's just like anything else. Like, it's just like here, like I can see a quantifiable difference if I just do a post on Instagram. Yeah. I'm horrible at it. Like yeah. it's like months sometimes between posts, but it's like, all you have to do is remind people that it's there. Yeah. And I think with the Grizzlies, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's out in West Valley. It's kind of out of the way, but I mean, it's not hard to get to. It's yeah. right off of 215. But I think most people just, I had so many messages when I posted about that game the other night. Like, oh, I totally forgot about the Grizzlies. I'm going to come. Yeah. And, I mean, somebody's just not doing their job with social media over there and getting people in the seats. But, but yeah, anyway, I mean, I think it's an interesting example. It's a lot like what we've been talking about. Yeah. Marketing is kind of everything. Yeah. I mean, but it's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to do that turnaround, too. Right. Like, when you have something that's kind of like – I think that's the hardest – the thing that's always, I mean, some of even creatively success is like, we're, we're definitely picking the winning horse right. uh, a lot of time of like, well, these guys just raised a ton of money. They have a killer product. And so like, yeah, it's going to make sense. But it's hardest when people are like, hey, my business has been going down every year. Can you help me like turn this ship around? It's like, oh, man, right. that's, that's where it gets really difficult. Um, and I always am like, oh, I want to try it, but I also, I was going to say, I would think you would be all over that. Yeah. I think we're, now we're to a point where we're like, well, let's maybe just see if we can put some people together and buy it. Right. Cause you do need that infusion and, uh, of capital and new ideas and often just energy. That's the hardest thing with, with entrepreneurship. When you start looking at it from that, like longer process, I think is 
it's really hard to get to a point where you just realize like, Hey, I might need to do the next one. Uh, yeah. Like let go of something. Let go of this. I think it's really hard for entrepreneurs of like, no, I, I can't, I can't fail. And when you look at it more as like a 50 year process, that becomes easier. Cause you yeah. start saying like, Hey, that was a great learning experience. I've had failures. I've had a lot of things that did not work and blew up bad. Uh, but those, <coughs> excuse me, those were good learning experiences, but it's really hard. Yeah. It's hard when it's like, as the agency being pitched, you're like, uh, you might want to just <laughs> kill this thing. Mr. Wonderful, take this outside and just Oh shoot my it. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but then again, yes. how many people have stories of people telling them that and yeah. figuring it out? Yeah. So it's like, you do have to, you have to have some balls too. Yeah. And that, I mean, restaurants are no different. I mean, 80% failure rate. Yeah. Nobody wants to give me money. You know what I mean? Well, now I could probably get some. But I'll give you twelve dollars for some brisket. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That'll get you a quarter pound. <laughs> so with meat prices right now. But but yeah, I mean you're yeah. right. And I mean the fear of failing after success too. Yeah. Which I think that that probably I think it's a little easier to fail when you're new or inexperienced yeah. or coming up. But I think getting to a point where you've succeeded at something. It's hard too. I think it's kind of oh, yeah. actually harder. Way harder. Yeah. Just because the pride issue kicks in. And well, it's and like, then you probably have like a certain lifestyle. Like, right. You know what I mean? It gets right. actually more challenging. Yeah. Lightning strike twice. Doesn't happen often. For sure. Right. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of people who've had big exits and other entrepreneurs look up, to, naturally look up to them right. and are like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, and it's funny when you get them kind of by themselves or like, I want to do it again, but like, what if it doesn't work? Uh-huh. They have those yeah. same fears of like, yep. well, I look like an idiot. Then will everyone say that I was just like, it was, it was luck because I could only do it once. Um, so it doesn't go away. Like that's, that's the funny thing. It's For like sure. you, you look from, uh, from when you're starting like, Oh, you know, that person has everything I want. And then you talk to them and you're like, oh, they still have insecurities and fears. And what if I can't pull it off a second time or a third time? Or, like, it doesn't matter. Even if they've done it five times, they're like, what if I can't do it again? Yep. Uh, so it's funny the mental tricks that, that we kind of play. But I think that's that was one of the things what you reminded or something you said, Cam, reminded me of this, that um, when we were doing the YouTube channel, there were like tons of us at this Color Run event doing this video. And I'd hired all these people. And then I was like, dude, we should do a YouTube channel. Like, this would be crazy. Uh, and we were all talking about it. Me and Scott were talking about it. And everyone was like, let's do it. Let's do it. And then when we got back from LA, me and Scott sat down and came up with a couple ideas. And then we like texted everyone like, hey, let's do it. We're going to do it this Saturday at this park. And everyone except for Scott and one other guy, Brendan, by the way, everyone was like, are you guys like paying people? Like, is it, <laughs> all right. is it just like hey, Brandon, fun? Gold Yeller's good buddy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brendan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, he's, I freaking love Brendan. Yeah. He's a genius. Uh, and everyone else was just like, well, if there's not money and we did this video and made this like funny kitten air video and it ended up going viral and JJ Abrams sh- like reshared it and all wow. these crazy things. And then immediately after that, it was like, everyone was like, Hey, when was the next one? <laughs> but it was like been such a huge lesson for me of just like do stuff again to the thing of like, what are you willing to do for free? Um, because you never know, uh, you never know what will come of that. And so many people are 
Like, will this give me immediate benefit right now? Isn't that funny? It's crazy. It's like, I wonder if anybody turned down Mr. Beast for the first six or seven years. Oh, yeah. Oh, a long time, dude. If you look at his channel. 13 years old is when he started. You know, people are so worried about ideas. Like, oh, I got this great idea. They still tell him he's stupid because he puts all his money back into his videos. They still tell him he's dumb. Isn't that crazy? Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying a lot of people talk about ideas. and like, oh, I got this great idea. I got this great idea. And one of the things I think Jay's been like really successful with is that he isn't worried about the idea. He's just like, let's do it. And he just goes and does it. And people are so busy thinking about the idea and never actually doing anything I think that's the difference between an entrepreneur and an employee, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or even that, like, I think the people that are, that truly want to be an entrepreneur have the balls to just, and not to say that it's not okay to be the other way, Mm -hmm. but they have the balls to just try. Yeah. Right. Because that's really scary. And I, I think it takes a certain wiring. Yeah. To be able to kind of sidestep some security and like you were talking about micromanaging the other day there's a lot of people that just like i will do the job i just need to know what to do yeah you know what i mean so it's but it's it's hard because yeah you don't want to fail you don't want to look bad like what if people think the idea is stupid but you have to be able to just not worry about it yeah and just go and i mean we've had so many people in here that had no idea yeah what they were doing i didn't like I knew how to cook barbecue, I knew how much money I had to open the restaurant. But it's like you just kind of learn as you go. But yeah. you just have to have the balls to just dive in and just do it and go. Yeah. And so it's tough. I think that's the heart. Like Will was saying, like there there's that middle ground of people who are like, ah, I want to try something, and it's like, dude, just do it. Yeah. Like stop talking about it. Stop pitching your idea to family. Well, stop there's no waiting. excuse, right? Now, I mean, it was different twenty years ago. But yeah. now, like, it's progressively, if you want to build a so rocket, easy. all you have to do is get on your computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really anything that you want to learn how to do is at your fingertips now. Yeah. Where before it took experience, it took mentors, it took... It's crazy. I mean, it still obviously helps a lot to have mentors, but, I mean, you can get way more education on a computer than you can in college, if you want it. Yeah. Do you remember Kaye? Kaye. Way back in the day, it was like 2006, one oh, yeah. business competition. Dude, he, he designed, uh, one of the guys, Tyler. Oh, yeah. He actually designed the Bam Bam Oh, logo. that's right. Yeah. I, he actually has told me that before. I, I know a bunch of those guys. Okay. And it, just 15 years ago, like they were 2006. Yeah. Like what they described trying to do a D2C e-commerce company here in Utah, like crazy. Like they were paying $80,000 to get like a basic e-commerce site. And now Shopify is 30 bucks a month. Yeah. And it has 10,000 times more power, more tools, more resources. And so it's exactly like, it just gets easier and easier. But the thing that never gets easier is just like doing it, just do it. Like stop talking. Um, And and those are the hardest, like the people who are just always pitching idea. I'm like, dude, you're, you're waiting for the perfect idea. Pillow cube on the surface was like about as bad of an idea. Like, just dumb like well that was it was no i remember before this, this i was like that's the question i want to ask like why pillows <laughs> like pillows like it i what a great space only because we spend so much time so time. much time sleeping but it's like yeah. i yeah you think like that is just yeah can you, i tell you why pillows yeah of course so i remember the first time i laid on that prototype that jay made uh-huh. and i was like ah oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it, it was just such a good pillow for a side sleeper. Right. And there wasn't another product out there that was like side sleeper pillow that just crushed. Right. And so like I felt like we actually had magic in a in a bottle there, you know, lightning in a bottle where she's like, Hey, this is perfect, man. Let's uh let's do it, you know? And so like we talk a lot about the marketing, a lot about that kind of stuff, but when you have a product that just like 100%. works, yeah, then you're like, oh, let's nail this, you know? Right. Like to be able to like grow out, like marketing is to let somebody hear it the first time and get somebody to sell, but like once somebody actually buys it and then like tells people about it, that's like when the real magic for sure takes off. I remember for the sure. first time I ate Bam Bams. Yeah, like to this day, I still remember like the first time I came and was like. Dude, that is crazy. Wow. Like, that is Texas barbecue in Utah. And to that point, we had, what, <laughs> Dickies? <laughs> like, we it was like... because it was that bad. Yeah. There, were three, there were three barbecue spots within a mile of here. Yeah. When I opened. Which, again, it's like people were probably like, why bar... Like, there's already barbecue spots. And right. It's like, but you came here, and I remember that first time. I think maybe it was with I you. I came, yeah, yeah. came a lot. Yeah. yeah. And then like, and so I think that that's, what's so fascinating and something like one of my pet peeves as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur that other entrepreneurs do. And I think all entrepreneurs should stop. This is <clears throat> we look at other businesses and we're like, Oh man, that'd be so easy. Like people see pillow cube and they're like, man, I wish I like someone at a SaaS company would be like, I wish I was making a physical product. That's super easy to make. I'm like, yeah, that's like, but then has a lot of hard stuff. Like it's so I just think as entrepreneurs, instead we need to look at other entrepreneurs. I'm like, dude, that is a hard, every type of entrepreneurship, physical products, food, services, events, software, each has pros and cons. And in every situation, it's insanely hard. Oh, for sure. There's not a single type of entrepreneurship. And, and I think that that's like something that's comforting and reassuring. It's like, it's all hard. It's just every single type. It takes a ton of guts, takes a ton of like, ambition and resolve to not give up and and so i think it's just like it really is funny how you look at it and every single thing you look at and you say ah that seems like a crazy idea right you know like uh, even like i remember i met some of the divi guys seven years ago eight years ago and at the time it was like that's kind of crazy idea you know no one i remember i was at like their one of their first pitches Really? Like, they just got money from Paleon. And, like, they were at their yeah. annual event, like, pitching. And I was like, hmm, wonder how that's going to go for them. <laughs> and I'll tell you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Did pretty good. <laughs> and, and that's, I think, a consistent thing with entrepreneurship is it's just, like, all of it's hard. We're not competing against each other. You know, you're just competing against yourself and trying well, to There's do a whole better. string of failures usually leading up to, I like Brock Blake, what he said, the Lendio CEO. Mm hmm every entrepreneur has two or three fetal position moments Oh yeah, leading up to their success where it's just like on the floor, fetal position, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> and if you don't have those, I mean, I think that's just part of the process, Yeah, but you're right. I mean, other than people that I do struggle with like copycat sometimes, which yeah. you do see a lot of that, especially with like consumer goods yep. or I mean, restaurants even. I'm talking yeah. to you, Costa Vida. Yeah. <laughs> Which is now kind of better than Cafe Rio. Isn't that weird? It, yeah. it is kind of weird. But I was a big Cafe Rio fan for most yeah. of that time, and now I've switched. Once they sold, it, it was never really the same. But but yeah, I mean, it it is. It is hard. Yeah. It is hard. Like, you don't realize the accounting, the product, like, the market, like, supply chain, all that stuff, gas price, it 
all factors in and you just always have to be ready to well, look at COVID. Yeah. I mean, it was make or break for just about every industry out there. Yeah. Like you could either just fold up shop and quit or you just have to pivot and do something different. So, yeah. Weren't, weren't, didn't you guys like in one day figure out drive through? Is, do well, I remember correctly it, when sort you of. did your Instagram post? I had the drive through built uh, for like that's a what it was. year. Yeah. But I was kind of too scared to like pull the trigger on it, start it. Yeah. Just because I was like, oh man, I don't really have experience with drive through. But again, like deadlines are really good for me. Like when yeah. crap hits the fan, like that's where I can excel. And so um, as soon as we found out we would have to close, the only thing I needed to do was run some wiring to some outlets and switches. So I called my electrician. I was like, okay, will you please come in here and wire this stuff up? And I was open the next day. Yeah, that's crazy. And so, so yeah, it was, it was it's funny how but, it forces you to. Yeah. And s- sometimes that's what I have ADHD. I talk about it a lot and that's the type of stuff that really is good for me. Yeah. Like I need deadlines. I need accountability. I need things to like force me sometimes. Yeah. And that one was great for that. And uh, so, so yeah, COVID was nuts. Funny how I feel like almost every entrepreneur has ADHD. <laughs> well, it, a couple of recent books that have come out, like there's one that wasn't necessarily published, but his title was CEO or convict. Like, yeah. And, and it is true. Our prison, they, they predict that 80% of our prisons are filled with people with undiagnosed ADHD, but like your jet blue founder. Yeah. He talks about it a ton. Yeah. And so I, I think you're right. A lot of that, some of the things that benefit, we don't assess risk like other people. Like yeah. We don't really have that part of the brain that does that. Yeah. Which is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. It's a blessing. If you're trying to start a business, it's a curse. If you want to rob a bank. Yeah. You're like, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? It works in the movies. Turns out. So yeah. Kind of a lot. Yeah. Can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, you're right. So I, true. I, I've talked to quite a few people in here that even some that didn't know that they had it and now they're yeah. getting treatment for it. But. Do but you yeah. take medicine? I do. I have for a long time. Yeah. I have, I haven't, I've done. Are you diagnosed with ADHD? Uh, self-diagnosed. Yeah. But if you look at the symptom list, it's like, yeah, you're up did there. they write this about you? Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can yep. focus on the things you love and it's really yep. a struggle with the things that you don't. Yep. And so it's. That's why it's email's pretty, hard. It's pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we're also really good with people. Yeah. And so. Have it, you read Faster Than Normal? Uh-uh. That's a really good one. Actually, I have heard of that book. Yeah, Peter Shankman, I think. Okay, faster than normal. Great. Check that one out. He talks about it like ADHD is your superpower. Absolutely. View it that way. Don't view it as like this negative. And so, if it's harnessed, yeah. But there's also a study saying if you have it and it's not treated, you're taking 26 years off your lifespan. Oh man, that wild. That is crazy. So yeah. Anyway, tangent. ADHD. Go get. Oh, I always, <laughs> I always feel bad when I go down the ADHD path. And I'm just like, oh, here we go again. Oh, but, we've been down this road before. But no, this has been fascinating. I think that, I think people love listening to this podcast for this type of thing, just the entrepreneurial thing. You know, it's like, I would love to hear stories of any listener that just finally, you know, you're talking about the entrepreneur, like just somebody that has the idea that just yeah maybe listening to this podcast gives them the guts to just try yeah you know what i mean and so i think this has kind of all of those all of those things that scare people we kind of talked about today yeah and so hopefully this can kind of inspire some people to 
make a move. Just get going. I always tell people, I hate when people tell me their startups in stealth mode. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, stop it. Like, I've just never heard that. do something. Yeah. Um, and I you get. You go on LinkedIn, dude. There's people with their like, stealth. their job. They're like, yeah, dark mode. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not telling people what I'm doing right now. The startup. We're still in. I don't want people secret. to know about my business because it might be successful if they knew about it. But I think that that's, yeah. You have the people who it's just like, hey, just do it. It's so, you really can't predict early, early on, um, you know, like we're, I think creatively has a really great methodology for how do we predict someone who's going and can they explode and see huge growth or can they not? Right. Um, But like brand new things, like we're just like everyone else. We get them right, we get them wrong. Uh, Because it's just, you don't know. Like, there's so many things. And so, I think that there's a lot of people out there who are just beating themselves up, like, I'm not smart enough. I'm not blah, 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 whatever reason. It's like, dude, just do it. Just get going. You don't know until you try. Yeah. And And even when you start trying, you start learning things about it, and your idea can kind of morph into other things. Yeah. But I think we have enough information out there to know how to do it. If you want to do it, you can do it. It's right. It's right there. Yeah. Especially in Utah. Yeah. I think Utah is a pretty oh, incredible place it, for entrepreneurship. And so so many resources, so many people who want to see other people succeed. Yeah. So it's yeah, amazing. I agree with that. Well, thanks guys for coming on. This is yeah. awesome. So yeah, much. It really fun. was. Thanks for having us. Try some pillow cubes. They are Worth amazing. It. So good. I saw my the first time I was at the I went to the Masters about a month ago and Jake Chrisman, we get to the hotel and he pulls this cube out of his suitcase like what the hell is that he goes you haven't seen pillow cubes and i hadn't this was like probably a week or two before we called you guys yeah and it's so funny like a week later i get the email from will like hey we have the podcast schedule i want to send you one i was like oh yes because i totally wanted to try jake so it's crazy pretty nuts pretty awesome but you're right like you see people use it he was i mean yeah homeboy like put it in a Ziploc, like vacuum sealed it <laughs> <laughs> to travel with it. Cause he yeah. wanted his, he didn't want the like travel one. The, the, yeah. the was it the side, the kick? sidekick. Yeah. yeah. He wanted his normal home, <laughs> one. but that's a pretty yeah. cool thing that you can just yeah kind of roll it up. And I mean, you wouldn't even have to vacuum seal. You just use some big, you know, rubber bands or zip ties or something, but he couldn't leave home without it. Yeah. I mean, that says something. <laughs> I love hearing stories of people that they're like, I paid more money to overnight my pillow from the hotel <laughs> because I forgot it <laughs> than I ever paid for the pillow because I had to have it the next day. Yeah. That's brand loyalty. That's when you know you're doing something good. Yeah. You're doing something it's right. pretty amazing. That's funny. Well, thanks, fellas. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks.